0: Hello and welcome in to Bombs Away, a Minnesota Twins podcast. I'm your host, CJ Baumgartner, and how was that intro? I felt like it was a little choppy. Uh turns out, uh working with a new podcasting platform, uh testing some things out, as we've noticed on the last couple podcasts. So if things have been a little buggy, a little weird, uh, we're figuring it out. Uh, thank you guys for joining me. I'm your host, CJ Baumgartner. Again, this is Bombs Away, and the Minnesota Twins hey, they had a winning homestand going three and two in the quick homestand, and they go on an even quicker road trip. The Twins split a two game series with the Detroit Tigers. The Twins also won a series against Pittsburgh, two games to one. So a three and two homestand, very quick Uh, homestand probably went about as what I thought it was going to, especially considering the way that the Tigers have played the twins. They officially clinched the season series uh, over last week when they lost three out of four at Comerica park. Uh, So for the Tigers to come back in and and split, um, you know, it's fine. Um, Right now, the twins have a, six game lead? It feels weird to say a six game lead in the American league central. And what is the twins record now? They're I think 65 and 60 somewhere in that range. I'm going to look up the standings here. Hold on. This is an on air uh, production meeting that I I got going on right here, but I'm going to look up the American league central standings just to give you guys the full picture uh, of this year. But the twins right now, they, they won two out of three against Pittsburgh and. In a four-game series played in three days, there was a doubleheader on Friday. Uh, Cleveland lost three out of four to Detroit. They split in a doubleheader on Friday, and then they lost the last two uh, over the last couple days. So it is a good opportunity right now for the Minnesota Twins. We've talked about all season long about how the Twins, and especially last season, but also this season of right away in May, the twins had a chance in a series against the White Sox. They had some other series against the Tigers to really just put some of these AL central teams to bed and to really not only put them to bed, but also establish that the twins are going to win the American league central. And not only did the twins not do that, but they also gave their opponents just a little bit of breathing room. Now, luckily the AL central has been so bad that those other teams took themselves out regardless. So it didn't really even matter. Uh, But the Twins had an opportunity in May and early summer to put their foot down on the division and to just run away and hide. And honestly, if they could have kept that pace up, uh, they could be like on a 90 win pace and just have the division all locked up right now and they could start resting everybody and they get, you know, whatever. Like that, that could be the point. Where we're not even to Labor Day weekend yet. It's crazy to think. But the Twins right now are in that situation. Again, they haven't played Cleveland in a very long time since, what, June? Early June, late May, uh, since they've played the Guardians to really kind of put their thumb on the scale of Cleveland. But the Twins have been able to build that lead slowly back up. Now, it's more been to the Guardians incompetence than it has been to the Twins actually putting good baseball out on the field. I will say the Twins, since the All-Star break, have been taking care of that part. But uh, it's also more going to... It's like last year, did Cleveland win the division or did the Twins just kind of collapse and it was more the second one. Uh, and that's kind of where it's at right now. So the twins right now are 65 and 60. They're, we've they've played 125 games. So how many more games do we have to go until the playoffs? Uh, 125. it's 162 game season. So you get my point like 37 games ish uh, till the end of the year if I did that math right. Uh, 37 games and they have a six game lead. So twins are five and five in their last 10 you know, whatever. They've played like a 500 ball club. Cleveland's been four and six in their last 10. Honestly, uh, you can make a case that the Detroit Tigers, they're not going to win the division, but uh, they have the better chance right now to make the playoffs. In fact, I saw a tweet earlier today that said that the Tigers, who have a 57 and 67 record, have a better chance to make the postseason according to fan graphs than the Yankees or the Red Sox, which is a crazy enough stat in and of its own. This is the first time the Yankees have been this far in a season where they are below the 500 mark since 1995. Uh, my parents were like making wedding plans at that time. Like that's how long ago that's been. So yeah, I saw posts online by a Yankee fan who's like, well, you know, Yankee fans are used to winning world series. So when this happens, they're disappointed when it happens to other teams. It's, you know, because they just suck and it's whatever. Uh This uh anyway people are like you got to be a real sicko to be enjoying the yankees downfall i saw that on twitter and i posted the gif of spongebob when he's sick with the suds and somebody's like does it what does it matter you know like and i get the guy's point he's probably not wrong of like what, what does it matter if they're sucking shouldn't we just be worried about the twins and you're right person on twitter but also nah nah i'm I'm enjoy the yankees downfall just a little bit here because darn it they've They've took so much. It's the meme online. Remember what they took from you. And that's pretty much every single postseason appearance I've seen in my entire life uh, be ripped away by the Yankees. So to make sure that they're not in the playoffs at all is going to be a welcome sight to see, especially because right now, and again, is it too early to call the AL central wrapped up? Of course it is. The twins still have six games alone against Cleveland. And if the twins crap the bed in that span, then sure, there's plenty of opportunity for Cleveland to catch back up over the, I mean, there's still, what do we say, 37 games left and there's six games ahead, but the twins would have to play bad over that stretch, especially in the head to head and just in general. And Cleveland would also have to really, really pick it up. So this is where I kind of think it's a chance for the twins in these next 37 games to just put their pedal to the metal and just Finish this out now again they're playing 500 baseball so 37 games let's say that they win let's say that the twins go uh 15 and 12 so they get another 15 wins it gets um uh around eight. i mean honestly this is uh you know whatever during during the stretch they go uh not 15 wins. Uh, I was thinking more closer to 25. But I'm trying to think of the of the number that works out. Let's say the Twins get like 18 wins over the last 27 games. And even then that puts them in a good position to make the postseason. I don't think the Twins are going to get to 90 wins uh necessarily at this point in the year, but you get my point. Anyway, uh Twins, I'm getting off the rails here. But uh the Twins have finally have a chance here to bury Cleveland. And since that, we can now kind of look and see what does this potential postseason picture look like? And that's the interesting part here. So uh, right now, if we look at the league standings in the American League, the Orioles have the one seed. They have a five-game lead on the Texas Rangers. The Rangers are going to comfortably get the two seed, although Houston is only uh, two and a half games back. And the Mariners, all of a sudden, have caught fire. Julio Rodriguez has just been insane. He had 17 hits over his last, what, was it three games, four games? Dude's just unstoppable lately. Uh, So the Mariners have kind of been getting back into that contention. uh, And that gets me to my next point here. So looking at the American League standings, uh, it's the the Rays-Astros Mariners are in right now. So if the season ended today, it'd be a, a shift in the dynamic. It's been expected to be the Blue Jays. Uh, fighting for that playoff position for the longest time, and now it's the Mariners who snuck into that final wild card spot. So if the season ended to, to uh, ended today, the Orioles and the Rangers would have first round buys. The Twins would play the Mariners, the Rays and the Astros would play each other, with the three games being in Tampa Bay and the Blue Jays will be out of the playoff picture. So it's crazy to see, especially because the Twins only have 65 wins. The Blue Jays have 69. And right now they're on the outside looking in, which, you know, just goes to show. We can sit here and talk all day about playoff realignment, about doing things differently, whatever. My team's benefiting from the current structure. So uh, I don't really got a lot to say. uh, I'll be quite honest. So the Twins uh, right now could play the Mariners. Now, would you want to play the Mariners? They're really they're one of the hottest teams in baseball right now and the twins played them just before that hot stretch or maybe just at the beginning of it uh so again we'll, we'll see but right now that's what the postseason picture would look like but as i grab my notes down here uh really uh going back to that Twins split with the tigers uh again it's not so much that the twins can't beat the good teams we've seen it they've played well against houston this year they've played well against toronto they've played just like a, a roughly 500 ball against the seattle mariners they've played you know they've split a four game series with the red sox they won the season series against the yankees i know the yankees are off this year but the twins went into yankee stadium played well you know how the twins have always been against the yankees the twins have played some good teams this season. And not only have they played some good teams, they've fared decently. Well, uh, they didn't get swept by the Dodgers, which, uh, you know, necessarily doesn't need you to hang a banner, but again, normally how the twins play against some of these teams, uh, it could be better. And I understand they got swept by Tampa Bay. They got swept by Atlanta and the twins didn't play particularly well in either one of those series, but uh, the Twins really could have gained a lot of ground if they could have just cleaned up against the bad teams a little more. It's not even that, oh, the Twins can beat the bad teams, but they can't beat the good teams. That's not necessarily how it's gone. They've played, you know, about as much as good, you know, every, this is a thing in baseball. No matter how good the Twins are, people say, oh, the Twins can't beat the good teams because you'll lose a series against this team and you'll lose a series against that team. That's fine. Good teams are going to play each other. Somebody has to win a series. Somebody has to lose. Can you clean up? against all the bad teams. It's the thing in baseball. Every team is going to win 50 games and lose 50 games. So what do you do with those uh, 102 games in the middle? And that, or, um, you know, every team wins 60. What do you do with those 42 games in the middle? Uh, you know, what do you do with that uh, in the course of a season? And that's where the twins have kind of been lacking is they haven't been able to clean up and get some of those extra wins. And you saw it in the series against Detroit last week, but you especially saw it on the uh, Wednesday afternoon game loss where the twins were up and they had a lead. I mean, I was, I I was took a nap. Honestly, it was like the eighth inning and the twins were winning. I was just on the couch. I got home from work and I was just uh, put my head down. all of a sudden I wake up and the twins are losing like eight to seven and they still almost came back in the game and, uh just been crazy and it gets me to my point about the twins and about this chaotic energy that it seems that they've had this season uh they had some chaotic energy last year but that chaotic energy fell apart as soon as everybody started getting hurt so that's just chaos that's not chaotic energy that's just Chaos and what I mean by chaotic energies kind of think of like the the Minnesota Vikings. Let's use a football reference. Uh, There was a lot of good. There was also a decent amount of bad and things just kind of happened and broke the Vikings way and they ended up getting into the playoffs with 13 wins, even though that team wasn't good enough to win 13 games. Uh, You know, if you would have looked at anything of all the one score games and the wackiness and whatever, and that's kind of like the twins. The twins don't get all the wins, but they play in a weak division. Things have kind of broken their way. Everybody's been you know, there's been injuries here and there, but it's nothing compared to last season. But there's a lot of chaotic energy when it comes to this team. and We've talked about it. They can beat good teams. They've showed well. Against the Dodgers. They've showed well against the Yankees, against the Astros. They've against these teams that normally give them trouble. They've played well against, at least better than in recent years. And then it's teams like the Tigers, who the Twins lost a season series to the Tigers for the first time since 2016. So what is the deal? And I think it all boils down to, and you're going to hate me for saying this, and I'm going to hate myself for saying this, it's Emilio Pagan. Now, if you guys have listened to this podcast, you know that I am no Emilio Pagan truther. I'm like the last thing from it. I'm not a guy who's gonna sit here and tell you Emilio Pagan's actually a good pitcher. There's some people that will, and that's fine. They can they can believe that. That's I'm not here to say that they're wrong or they're idiots or what whatever. I'm just here to say like there's people who hold that belief, and I am not one of them. Uh, I've not been a fan of Emilio Pagan really since he got here, and, and whatever. Like that's been covered. Go listen to old episodes of the podcast. You can hear me talk about it. But Emilio Pagano has been pitching well. And honestly, you can make the case that he's been the twins best bullpen arm over the last month since the all-star break, whatever arbitrary period you want to use. I use post all-star break to kind of judge it, but it was in my latest article for zone coverage uh, that I wrote about Emilio Pagan's chaotic energy becoming the twin spirit animal. Because um, they're on pace to clinch the division right now. That's they're on pace. Uh, they have a six game lead in the AL central. I mean, it's not over, but the twins would have to have a pretty big F up to really have it be over, uh, to really not have this division be over by now. Um, but again, when you look at the chaotic energy, the twins, they're on a 90 plus win pace after, uh, April going 17 and 12, the record fell to 29 and 27 by the end of May. Um, but again, they're not 500 because every time they play a good team, they melt, uh, the twins have a 23 and 18 record against the AL central. That could be much better. Now, again, there's the case of, well, they're teams who play all the time. So even though the one team is better than the other, they've seen you so much that it's a bit of a competitive advantage. I get that. And I'm, I'm warm to that argument, but at the same time, it's the league's worst division twins are 23 and 18 against them. The twins have a 26 and 31 uh, record against teams with winning records. And I know that's a below 500 record, but it's not relatively off from what most of the league. Minnesota's 14-9 against non-AL Central teams with losing records. It's been a weird season. It's it's just been wonky. The Twins haven't been normal. There's been injuries. There's been weird things popping up. Dallas Keuchel almost threw a perfect game, people. Uh, He went six and a third perfect innings today and we'll get to him in a second, but it just kind of goes to the craziness of what this team has been. They've been volatile. I think that's the word. And what I mean by that is they win five games in a row and they lose three in a row and then they'll win three in a row and lose five in a row. There's not a lot of like, you know, the good teams will consistently win series and they won't necessarily go on an eight game winning streak, but they avoid, I think the 2019 twins, uh, didn't lose three games in a row for most of the season, or they only lost back-to-back games like three times all year. It's something insane like that, where they just never let the losses stack up. And that team, I mean, they won over 100 games, but to my memory serves, they didn't have like a 10-game winning streak. They just played consistently good baseball all season long. And that's been the opposite of this Twins team. They will win four in a row, lose three in a row, win five in a row, lose seven in a row, win four in a row. And like, it's just this constant roller coaster of a season. After that three game sweep of the Diamondbacks, the Twins then lost four, uh, three of four in Detroit. And then immediately after they go into the NL pennant winning Philadelphia Phillies and win two out of three and look really good in that series and nobody, and this all gets to my point here, has embodied the agent of chaos more than Emilio Pagan. Pagan, obviously, you know, we talked about not been a fan favorite, um, you know, since the start of the 2022 season. So Pagan's tenure in Minnesota, he's posted a 3.88 ERA, a 220 opponent average, a 27.7% strikeout rate and a FIP of about 3.85 in 113 and two thirds innings pitched. So again, it's not great, not necessarily a train wreck. And that kind of goes to the point of the twins. They're not necessarily great, not necessarily a train wreck. Um, Well, you know, again, uh, it's not that Pagan hasn't put up good stretches. It's that the good stretches have been there right with the bad stretches. And that's kind of the thing is fans don't know how to feel because every single time they feel like there's a turnaround, there's just this massive blow up. Every time the twins win six games in a row, it's like, okay, Finally, they're going to take the wheel here and we're going to figure this thing out and then they'll lose four in a row. And I'm like, well, and that's kind of been the thing. Um, The biggest indictment against Pagan has been his pitching in high leverage situations. Pagan has a negative 0.87 win probability added and it was a lot worse uh, earlier in the season before the turnaround for Pagan. Uh, But again, win probability added is just Fangraph's way of tracking a game and it's like, you know, you see it in the NFL all the time, the win percentage and the win probability. And, you know, at a certain point in the fourth quarter, a team has a 99.9% chance to win the game. And then you see them lose and you see the thing just drop. Uh, that's the thing, except fam graphs does it for every game and they track it for every player. So every time Emilio Pagan leaves a game, you know, is dropping the twins win probability and consistently doing that. And, um, in cl- uh, clutch rating, according to fan graphs, which factors in win probability and a couple other things, uh, zero uh, negative 0.78 uh, clutch rating, uh, despite a good start to last season, because Pagan, I mean, it was shaky, but he at least got results before everything all kind of fell apart. Pagan ended last year with an ERA of four and a half a win probability added of negative one, just about it was negative 0.99. Uh, Pagan's underlying numbers indicated he had some potential. Of course, his one sixteen stuff plus ranking ranks basically how nasty. A pitcher is, enosar Sar. So the athletic has the ranking. Uh, and that's really what the, I mean, that num, that stat or a stat similar to it is what the twins really like. The uh, stuff plus, and or I assume the twins really like is that you know basically says he's got the ability and the potential. And if we can just find a way to harness it, he can be really good. And there was a lot of people like me saying, well, yeah, but you're not seeing it. And if you're not consistently seeing it, it's the definition of insanity. He's trying the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. Uh his stuff plus ranking, though, was fifth best on the twins last year behind Griffin Jackson, Duran Caleb theobar Uh, the thing was this began was given a way too many home runs. He had a 1.71 home runs per nine in 2022, which for a reliever is not a good number. And I mean, just not a good number in general, but especially for a reliever, because you're not pitching a long, it's not elongated over a seven inning stretch. Uh, If you give up a home run, uh, a lot of the time it's, you know, you're pitching one inning chunks, you're pitching in a game. It's typically tight. Um, It was the 12th worst among relievers who pitched at least 30 innings last season. Uh, Pagan relies on two pitches, his fastballs cutter. He also makes it in the split finger just a little bit. According to baseball savant, uh, his cutter last season was his worst pitch. It was a negative eight run value. Not good at all. Uh, it wasn't just pitch selection, but pitch location. Pagan had an 83% meatball rate, which is middle, middle, uh, so pitches that are just right down the heart of the plate, a meatball, Uh, he was throwing that 83% of the time, league average in 2022, uh, 76.1% is the league average, Uh, of course the Twins brought Pagan back, Um, you know, the lineup for the Twins, uh, it's got a collective OPS, or at least at the time I wrote the article, was of 101 ops plus and league average is 100 so the twins are like just above average it's a, like it looks bad but it's actually not as horrible as you think and that's the same thing with emilio pagan and at least what he's been uh and part of the rook cause uh uh with the twins of course has been scoring runs much worse than you consider the twins have 16 losses when allowing three runs or fewer which means that you know the twins have an above average offense but if they just were a little more consistent. And again, with the run scoring, because the Twins have the opportunity to score nine runs in a game, and then they'll score two and and none uh, in the next two games of a series and just go completely silent. If they're able to kind of elongate those runs and stretch out those those runs in different games, I know you can't do that, but you get my theories that the Twins would be in a much better spot and we wouldn't necessarily be looking at all the glaring things on this team. Uh, twins stunk with runners in scoring position. Um, they have a 246 batting average with runners in scoring position uh, of course uh you know everything kind of recycles back uh with the twins their offense post all-star break has gotten better uh really uh, the twins i'm trying to look at this uh number here, but my page keeps bouncing up and down. Uh, 147 runs scored is third best in the American League since the All-Star break. A 122 weighted runs created plus, again, 100 is the league average, is fifth best in all of baseball during that span. Strikeouts are still high because the Twins are on pace to strike out the most of any team ever. 27.4% strikeout rate is still the fourth worst in the league, but hey, it's not the worst since the All-Star break. The offense is scoring more runs and again, as we've learned with Pagan, you got to take the good with the bad at this point in the season. Uh, Pagan in the second half of the season has had an ERA of 1.26. Most importantly, his home run per nine has been huge. It's been 0.63. He's, I mean, gone down by a whole one home run per nine innings. Um, His 8.8% barrel rate is down a full percent than it was a year before. He has an opponent average of just 85 during the span and his walks, hits, innings pitched is down to 0.56. So again, he's been one of the twins best bullpen arms. And depending on how you view Duran, he honestly couldn't make a case to be the twins best reliever since the all-star break. Um, and it's just been, been crazy to see. So uh, I kind of make the point of my article to rise up Pagan truthers because the twins would be in a worse spot without Emilio Pagan in the second half of the season. And it's crazy to think uh, about that. Um, both of Pagan's pitches have been better Uh, you know, the cutter has been better. Uh, the fastball hasn't necessarily been lights out, but it's been a little bit better. Um, and you know, there's still some things I will say, I'm going to hedge my Pagan bit here by saying, uh, he does have a low ERA, but during the span, he does have a FIP of 3.2, uh, fielding independent pitching. It's a little more projective. It's saying he's getting a little bit lucky, but also at the same time, again, with the twins, learning to take the good with the bad. Uh, a little bit because the twins have a, uh, a highly volatile pitcher in Emilio Pagan and a highly volatile lineup. And it's been crazy because that's kind of been the 2023 twins, highly volatile. And so what do you do with that? What do you do with a pitcher like Emilio Pagan? Who's highly volatile. What do you do with the twins lineup that is highly volatile? What do you do with the Byron Buxton who potentially could come back and play outfield? We'll get to him in a second. Who's highly volatile you ride them until the wheels fall off. I wish I had a better answer for you. I wish I said some stat that Pagan's going to turn it around and he'll be consistently good the rest of the year or the twins lineup is going to just never have an issue ever again and not go cold. Like they did on Saturday night against the pirates where it was really good for the first six innings and then just went completely silent or the Twins score four runs in the first three innings. And then they have, the next 13 hitters get retired. I think the Twins did that on the Wednesday game that they lost this week as well. Uh, you know, I they're going to be highly volatile. But again, at this point in the year, this is the team you got. That you're not going to make a hitting coach change at this point in the season. You're not getting rid of Pagan at this point. Like your team is the, the trade deadline is gone. The Twins bullpen outside of Pagan and Duran's been okay, but outside of Pagan and Duran it's been a mixed bag. Caleb Thielbar has came back. He's helped out, but he's also been a little shaky. He's had a couple of rough outings. Griffin Jacks, again, had to take good with the bad. Highly volatile here. Uh, he's had a couple of good outings. He really, really good outing on Friday. Uh, saved the game for the twins. Came in with runners on the corners and nobody out. And then you also have on Wednesday when he gave up a couple home runs and things kind of fell apart on him. Not necessarily all his fault, but also again, highly volatile. So what do you do with a highly volatile team? You have to, you know, what do you do with a car that you know can get you from A to B, but also you know at any second that that engine is going to blow up and you're just going to sit on the side of the road while everybody runs past you. And that's kind of what the Twins are hoping doesn't happen in the playoffs. Can you get in the playoffs and can this thing that you know could fall apart at any minute, but also it still has the ability to get you across the finish line. And that's the thing. Will it happen? I don't know nobody knows. And I guess the general, nobody knows what happens when you get to the postseason. Yeah, I get that. But also like the twins are thinking the same thing that we're thinking is at some point, you know, Pagan could start to regress and blow up. And at some point the lineup could just go ice cold again and, and all of that. But at the end of the day with Pagan, I don't like that. He's pitching in high leverage innings. I don't feel I, I necessarily, I, maybe I'll rephrase that. I don't feel great about it. I don't feel confident in Emilio Pagan. But at the end of the day, he's going to be pitching in high leverage situations. And that's just how it's going to be. And we're going to have to hope he does well and hope that this thing doesn't come crashing down. Uh, And here's my thing. Are the twins good? Is Emilio Pagan good? They're playing good right now. And we just kind of have to hope that it stays that way. How are the twins playing great baseball? No, but are they playing just well enough to win the Central? And can you maybe hope that they you know, just consistently play good baseball up until the end of the year, pick up a game, like win series consistently. Yeah. Because at this point I can't tell you otherwise, other than you're going to have to ride this thing until the wheels fall off. You're going to have to ride Pagan until he breaks down. You're going to have to ride this twins offense until they break down. And when they break down, they could break down tomorrow. They might not break down until November. You know, like it's crazy to think that. And that's where we're at with the twins. And again, it's where we're at with Byron Buxton. He uh, has hinted and the twins hinted about potentially playing some center field. And honestly, when you look at the twins, yeah, Byron Buxton's going to have to play center field. Now, earlier in the season, I was like, look, if he just needs the DH for a little bit. It's okay. If Byron Buxton can just rake. Well then, yeah, you're not getting the five tool player. Uh, you know, you're not getting the five tool player. Buxton's got speed, fielding, power, contact, base, right? Like there's all of these things. And, you're only getting one of them, which is his power, uh, when he's in the lineup uh, just as a DH and Buxton was not hitting well enough to warrant being the DH. But before the twins lineup was in such a bad spot that you couldn't, you know, who are you going to give the DH a bats to? Now I would say Matt Walner, but at the same time, you're not going to bench Byron Buxton for Matt Walner. That's not how it's gonna like, you're just, that's not even like, a, I'm not like, that's a defense of the twins. Like you can't bench your franchise guy. So now at this point in the season, I think now is the time to put Byron Buxton in the outfield. And I get the whole thing. It's like, well, if you put bucks in the outfield, he's going to be more likely to get hurt. And it's not that I want Byron Buxton to get hurt or that I don't care about his health. Like I want the dude to be healthy. I want the dude to be healthy and rake for my favorite baseball team, obviously. But I think at this point with Byron Buxton, you're he's not hitting well enough to justify being the dh and you want to save that dh spot for a walner for a ryan jeffers for an ed julian you want to save that spot and also you want to have byron bucks in the lineup michael a taylor has been a good center fielder for the twins this year but byron buxton is a better center fielder than michael taylor and michael a taylor and You could theoretically also against righties. Now the twins haven't necessarily hit or or lefties, excuse me, twins necessarily haven't hit lefties, but you could theoretically on one day Gallo doesn't have to play and Michael a Taylor can play left field and you know, you can spread it out that way. But I think Byron Buxton just has not been hitting well enough to justify being a DH only. And the twins have other hitters who they can put in that spot before when Buxton wasn't hitting well, there was just, well, we don't have anybody on the roster who we could put into that spot. And you're like, well, okay, I guess we just got to run Buxton out there and hope he starts hitting. He hadn't, and he got hurt. And now at this point, it's okay. We're, I mean, Buxton, he's going to do a rehab stint. I mean, that feels obvious. He's missed way too much time. So he's going to come back in what mid September, early September. And if he does that, the twins are going to be gearing up for the playoffs. And hopefully the AL central is pretty much in the bag. So what you need to do is if you're the twins is, just get Byron Buxton playing in center field because Byron Buxton can provide you value as a fielder. And if he gets, there's just a shorter amount of time for his body to break down. If you just let Buxton play in the minor leagues to get himself acclimated. And then if you let him, like you can DH him early on, you know, let him go in double a for a little bit and DH. And then once he gets up to triple a, let him DH, but then also slowly work him in the field And then, I mean, I'm no trainer. I'm no coach. This would be my uninformed opinion. But I would let Buxton DH in the low minors, let him work his way up, get to AAA, and then slowly work your way in. And of course, he'll be working on stuff outside of actually playing in games. But then you can get him to where it's mid to late September. Buxton's back in the lineup. And then you get him enough at-bats. He can DH. He can do a little bit of center field. uh, And he doesn't even necessarily need to play center field in all the games. It could just be, you know, DH him, play him in center field half the time, or just basically say, yeah, he's not playing center field now, but when the postseason starts, Byron Buxton's going to be the starting center fielder, and you have Buxton starting in center field, and even, again, if he's not the hitter that Buxton's been over the last couple of years, he can at least provide you value sprinting and cutting off doubles and turning doubles into outs and doing all this stuff in the outfield, and again, there's still always a chance of Byron Buxton getting hurt. It's that... Uh, agent of chaos. Byron Buxton can get hurt on any play doing anything. And that's not a critique of Buxton. Love Byron Buxton. That's just the reality. It's not a character flaw of his. It's not him doing anything wrong. Uh, but it's just that f- it's the flukiness. It's the, cr- it's the unpredictableness uh, of it. And th- when you get to that point in the season, there's just less opportunities for that to happen. Byron Buxton starting center field over an entire season. Yeah, that's a lot larger. Byron Buxton starting center field in a two to three week span. All right. Well, the odds are a little bit lower, especially you have, if maybe you do, uh, Buxton's a part-time player rotating in a DH and center field and bench and whatever. And, and the twins, luckily, have the built-in excuse of saying like, well, we just want to rest up Byron. We want to make sure he's rested and ready. And you know, we want him to play at full speed. So if that means benching him for a game and having him ready to go, you theoretically could use Byron Buxton off the bench. Rocco Baldelli of course has loved to sub guys in and out of games. You could do that. There's an opportunity here with Byron Buxton uh, to use him as a weapon and you can use, and you can say if you're the twins, you know, we're not giving him 100% playing time because, you know, we want him to stay healthy and we want him to make sure that he's rested. And, you know, you could use that argument and then use that as a way to spread him around as DH center field while allowing guys like Walner, Jeffers, Julian, Michael A. Taylor in center field to keep getting those reps. Because right now, if Michael A. Taylor goes down. Who are the twins putting in center field? Because Willie Castro went to the IL. So who is that backup center fielder? It's probably Joey Gallo at this point. You know, Rice Lewis maybe as an emergency option. But other than that, the Twins do not have a center fielder that they can rely on. So Byron Buxton coming back would be a nice uh, addition uh, for the team. All right. A couple other things to note. Speaking of center fielders, Austin Martin could potentially play center field. He's been playing really well down in AAA. So has Brooks Lee. I think Brooks Lee, over his last 10 games in St. Paul, has an OPS of about 850, a 300 batting average. Uh, Brooks Lee has been hitting pretty well. Severino has been mashing He heat. Another monster home run today. Uh, the twins don't have a lot necessarily outside of Walker Jenkins and the low minors, but the twins like last year have a lot of prospects in the high minors that are coming and the twins can use. Uh, it's why, uh, uh I saw a tweet over the weekend, uh, talking about Christian and strand. Uh, it was either him or Spencer steer hit a walk-off home run for the Reds. Awesome congratulations like I I want people to succeed playing baseball I love baseball I love playing baseball I like seeing people play pay, play baseball I want people to succeed also at the same time can we get can we get over Christian Encarnacion Strand and Spencer Steer the twins took an L on that trade Tyler Malley trade was bad and especially if Malley's just done with the twins if the twins don't sign him on like a two-year you know like they do with Chris Paddock or Michael Pineda like hey Rehab with us, and that first year you're back. Stay with us in the organization. We'll give you job security and a paycheck, and in turn, you know you'll take us at a discounted rate or something like that. Unless the Twins do that, and even then, that's not necessarily a beacon of value because you had to re-sign them. Uh, but th- if I mean the Twins, that's an L trade. It was. I still would do the trade if I'm the Twins because of where you were at last year. But at the same time, uh, you took an L on the trade. That happens. But at the, where was Christian Encarnacion, Strand, and Spencer Steer going to play? Third base, Royce Lewis is there. Shortstop, Carlos Correa is there. Second base, Jorge Polanco and Ed Julian. Uh, first base, Alex like there, There's not a lot of spaces. And even then, there's Brooks Lee. There's Austin Martin. There's Junior Severino. There are guys who are coming anyways. So the Twins had a glut of guys at a position. They traded them. They're producing. That's good. You know the Twins don't know how to evaluate talent in their own organization. What are you talking about? Twins have talent in their organization. They didn't give up any, but like, yes, it's an L for the trade. The Twins have had bad trades. I've called like, again, I, I'm not a Twins front office defender. I had an article at zone coverage ripping the front office after the trade deadline for their lack of action. Like, I'm not a Twins front office truther here. I'm calling it as I see it. The Tyler Mally trade's an L. But it is not the Babe. It's not the curse of the Bambino level trade. It's not losing David Ortiz. It's not like it's fine. The twins lose trades all the time. Twins also win trades. I would consider the Kenta Maeda for Brewstar Gratterall trade a win. Kenta's been great, even if the twins have only got it in 2020 and this year. They've still gotten value for Kenta. I would consider the Joe Ryan trade a huge success, considering the twins got two months of Nelson Cruz for four years of team control. No matter how you view Joe Ryan, the twins got a major league level controllable starting pitcher for five years for two months of a 40 year old Nelson Cruz. There are some good trades in there. Sergio Romo trade was a good trade. Sam Dyson trade was a bad trade. There are good trades and bad trades. Every front office has them. Even the Rays have bad trades. Look at the Joe Ryan trade. Look at the Jake Odorizzi trade where they got uh, only Hermain Palacios and the twins ended up getting him back because the uh, Rays waived him like that. There are bad trades here and there. Every team makes them, every team, whatever. I just got to get that off my chest because that has been something that's been a uh, bother me. And it's not just that one guy, like whatever. Uh, it's just like, I'm not calling out one specific person. So I'm trying to say, it's been this attitude of doomerism where it's like, there are certain trades where if the twins did not have Brooks Lee and Royce Lewis and like all of this other stuff. Then yeah, it would look like a horrible trade, but it's a bad trade. It's not a, fr- it doesn't even set the franchise back. I mean, yeah, they could have used that prospect capital elsewhere, but Twins fans still would have said that they shouldn't have traded those guys. Like I, I'm just having a hard time. You win some, you lose some. Sometimes you got to trade. It's like we've talked about before with Luis Arise and Pablo Lopez. Uh, There's just some people who are never going to admit that Pablo Lopez is a good starting pitcher an ACE level starting pitcher because they traded up Luis Arise for him. And anybody who's not just playing like prime Verlander or just, verlander uh isn't gonna be worth it and i hate to tell you like and this coming from somebody who loves arise uh wrote articles last year saying arise is the twins best player right like the twins need Arise. rise the twins it's gonna be okay it's gonna be okay uh that was a, a bigger tangent than i thought it was gonna be uh i'm sorry if you feel differently about these trades i'm not trying to say that you don't know ball or something like that but I mean, I'm just getting sick and tired of hearing about Christian Encarnacion Strand and Spencer Steer. Congratulations. I hope they have long, big league careers and they're very successful. The Twins didn't really need them. It's fine. Life goes on. It's not a good trade. am not trying to say that actually it was good. It was bad, but life goes on. I, we got to, these weren't top prospects. Let's move on here a little bit. So I'm going to move on. Uh, Dallas Keuchel almost threw a perfect game today. Uh, he struck out like two guys, four guys, two or something crazy like that uh, because he was the first twin to go back to back starts without uh, giving uh, getting a strikeout since what was it, Carl Pavano in 2011. Uh, He's doing his best in Nick Blackburn impression, which somebody pointed out. I think it was Twins Gems on Twitter. Shout out to that account. Uh, the Nick Blackburn in 2009 had three complete games, which. Seems crazy on the surface, but actually, you know, remembering the 2009 season, it reminds me a lot of the 2023 Twins, uh, mainly just in record and that they constantly uh, couldn't get out of their own way and build up a good win. I think the Twins won the division with 85 games or something like that. And there was the game 163 and the game 163 was such a fun baseball game. People don't remember that. And Joe Maurer had his MVP season, but Twins twins were not good that year. Not good at all. Uh, And they won the division. But Dallas Keuchel bought himself another start. I mean, there's going to be people mad that the Twins took Keuchel out, and I understand it, uh, after uh, he gave up the double. But it was only a two-run ball game. If Twins, Here's the thing with the Twins and Rocco pulling starters early. When the Twins have had run support, Rocco's left them in. Uh, so that's the other thing. If the Twins uh, are in a 2 nothing game in the rubber match of a series, yeah, Rocco's going to take the guy out. And Griffin Jacks, I believe, came in and finished the inning, and they didn't score the run. So, what are we upset about in this situation? I don't, I don't get that one. But Dallas Keuchel bought himself another start. Uh, the Twins did not show a lot of confidence in him because of all the off days. They pushed his start back, so he hadn't pitched in a full like nine days because uh, he last pitched uh, uh, on the Friday against Philadelphia, and then he got to the he didn't pitch until the, that next Sunday. So because of the two off days, the twins basically skipped him and let everybody else pitch one day earlier. So that meant that the Pirates got to see Pablo Lopez and Sonny Gray on the first two games of the series. Pablo Lopez pitched great again. Sonny Gray pitched great until the sixth inning when the wheels came off again. And as I talked about in the last podcast, I would not extend Gray the qualifying offer. And maybe I've backed off that a little bit, but also at the same time, do you want to pay $20 million for a five and dive guy? Because Sonny Gray, as we've learned, isn't going to want to be a five and dive guy. He's going to be frustrated about that wrongly or rightly, depending on where you view that situation. But Sonny Gray just has not, he's, I mean, that's who Sonny Gray's never been. He's never been an innings eater. He's not a Jordan Lyles uh, uh, kind of pitcher. Jordan Lyles, Jeff Lyles, whatever. The, the pitcher that foolish baseball talks about all the time. He's not the innings eater. Uh, Sonny Gray pitches five to six innings. That's that's his M.O. That's who he's always been. Does he always want to stay in the game longer? Of course he does. He's a starting pitcher that I want him to have that mentality. But also at the end of the day, Sonny Gray falls apart and it starts way too often and starts walking guys. And I know Jorge Polanco didn't help him out with an error that ruined his perfect game because he had a perfect game halfway through the ball game and then things fell apart. He gave up four runs and the twins ended up losing. But Again, uh, Sonny Gray's just been falling. Uh, I just don't trust Sonny Gray. And now in the playoffs, here's the other, on the flip side of the coin, you could theoretically trust Sonny Gray in a playoff start because playoffs are managed a lot differently and you could theoretically piggyback Sonny Gray with another pitcher, whether it's Dallas Keuchel, whether it's Louis Varland, whether it's, you know, a long reliever uh, somewhere in the mix. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's a certain way that you could mix and match that because starters don't go as long. So Sonny Gray, like, you could just look at him and say, can you just give us four innings? And I I could trust Sonny Gray to give me four innings. I will not trust Sonny Gray to give me six innings in a playoff game. You guys see where the difference is here? So, like, I think that's a little bit different. Now, do I want to sign up for Sonny Gray for one more year at close to $20 million? That's when things start to get a little bit dicey. Now, Sonny Gray probably rejects that. But at the end of the day, the reason that a lot of more players don't get extended the qualifying offer is because teams are afraid they'll take it and they'll have to pay you know, close to $20 million for Sonny Gray. And why I don't think that is because if the Twins say yes, I mean, the Twins already have a lot of money tied into next year. And with the Bally thing falling apart and the Twins not getting all the cable revenue money and that being very much questionable, what does the team's payroll look like next year? That's why I don't think Sonny Gray gets offered the qualifying, but I'm also, I also could be wrong. Uh, anyway, uh, good job on Dallas Keuchel. Buys himself another start and Louis Varland's pushed down again. We'll see what happens. Louis Varlan's been pitching well. Joe Ryan had a rehab start uh, on Friday, Thursday, somewhere in their midweek. Uh, pitched four and a third, gave up one run. Uh, feeling a lot healthier. And that's good. And again, there's no reason to rush Joe Ryan back. They can slow cook him if they want. Because again, thrown a lot of innings, uh, was just hurt. If he gets hurt again, you know, you're getting into that dicey territory of if he's got to go on the 15-day IL again, especially if he comes back, makes one or two starts, realizes that he's not healthy. Well, now his playoffs are in jeopardy. So when you look at the Twins, uh, they're going to need to make sure that they kind of, they need to figure that out in a sense, of, of Joe Ryan, and I'd rest him a little bit. Now, you could theoretically run into the thing of, you know, he needs a couple starts to get acclimated. Uh, so there's there's not a ton of room to rest him, but also at the end of the day, as of a six-game lead in the division, you owe Dallas Keuchel. Now, after that, at least one more start to prove that the Philadelphia one was a fluke. Uh, even though I'm not high on Dallas Keuchel, I think you just, you got to give him one more. Uh, now, it's going to come against likely the Texas Rangers, who have the second best record in the American League and the third best record in baseball. So, that's not necessarily the team you want them to go against, but that's what it's looking like. Um, and again, uh, the Twins have their kind of last tough stretch of the schedule coming up here. They have two against Milwaukee in Milwaukee, their first place in the NL Central. And then you have, I believe, a four game series against Texas or maybe a three game series. Uh, Let me pull it up here as we look at the uh, twin schedule. So we'll be uh, two in Milwaukee. Again, it's going to be off day on Monday then Tuesday, Wednesday, they'll play. And then four back at Target Field against the Texas Rangers. And then they have a three game series against the Cleveland Guardians. And that is again, we talked about those those games against Cleveland are going to be big. can you finally bury them or is Cleveland going to be able to just weasel their way in to make things interesting over the last month. But then after that, you have three games in Texas, three games in Cleveland, then three games against the Mets, three games at home against the Rays. Uh, But mainly if we just look at uh, the next, let's say 15 games, this 15 game stretch where it's two in Milwaukee, four at home against Texas, four at home against Cleveland, three on the road in Texas, three on the road in Cleveland. This stretch is their last kind of big, rough stretch of the season. Because even after that Tampa Bay series, you have four in Chicago, you have three in Cincinnati, three against the Angels, three against the A's, three against the Rockies. Uh, The Twins last three series of the season against LA, Oakland, and Colorado, all teams that are out of it. So there's a good opportunity for the Twins to clean up in those games. Uh, at Cincinnati will be uh, a tough series at Chicago for four should be easy, uh, playing Tampa Bay at home. Who knows what's going to go on with the Rays, especially with the whole Wander Franco, uh, situation and kind of them, uh, falling apart in the second half of the not falling apart, but losing steam maybe is the better way to word it in the second half of the season. Uh, so there is some spots here and there to pick up some wins. Also during this time for Cleveland, I might add, they also have a pretty, Uh, Tough stretch, so if you're the twins, it's basically set yourself up in a good position So even if you lose ground during these next 15 games, you're still gonna be able to hold on and win the central And I think the twins can definitely do that Uh, Even if they split in their games against Cleveland if they go four and three because that's pretty much it Just don't lose ground in the direct head-to-head competitions against the Guardians because if you look at Cleveland's schedule over the next 15 games. Let's see who they have. So they are, there's no rest for them. They have an off day tomorrow and they host the Dodgers for three games. Then they go on the road to the Toronto Blue Jays. They go to target field for three. Then they host the Tampa Bay Rays for three. And then they host the twins for three. And then uh, they have a series in San Francisco and against the Rangers. At some point, they also have a two game series against the Reds and a four-game series against the Orioles. But just in these next 15 games for Cleveland, they have a stretch that's just as tough as the Twins, or at least are going to be tough for them. It's not like they're getting just the Royals during the stretch. And as we've learned, uh, the Tigers are beating them up too. So it's not like Cleveland necessarily is playing great baseball, and they don't have the opportunity of a soft schedule to kind of help them rebound. So this is a stretch for the Twins. Just don't fall apart at the seams. Even if they don't play great baseball, even if they go uh let's say seven and eight or they go six and nine, even five and ten. It's not gonna be I, I mean five and ten would actually be bad. But like if you can go seven and eight during this stretch or six and nine, fine. That's just fine because you're still going to win you're still gonna win a decent amount of games. And especially those games that you win are against Cleveland, you're gonna be able to keep your pad in the division so big that they're not gonna be able to catch up anyways. So that's again the the biggest thing uh, for for the Twins at this point. All right, well, uh, I think we've hit the 50-minute mark, and I think that's about as much time as I need to give for talking about the Twins. Hey, guys, thanks for joining me. This has been Bombs Away, a Minnesota Twins podcast. Be sure to check us out on our Facebook page, our Twitter page, YouTube page. Also, give us a follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, also on the Pod MN app. That's a great way to find Bombs Away podcast. As well. We'll have another one later in the week coming up. Just wanted to bang this one out of the way. Uh, I have my wife's birthday uh, coming up sometime this week. So, we're going to take some time to to do that. Uh, But in the meantime, uh, we will catch you guys later. Hopefully, the Twins will have gained a little bit more in the division and have a little bit more than a six game lead. But hey, it's a good time right now. And it looks like we are going to have postseason baseball back at Target Field, which no matter how good the Twins are, no matter what the things look like, getting your team in the playoffs, the funnest part of all. See you guys next time.